This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis. Today I'm going to be talking about doing the right thing. Let me start with a word. The word is holiness. It comes from the Hebrew word kadosh, and it means separate or set apart, other. God is not a man. He is an eternal spiritual being that is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. He's present everywhere. He's right in everything he does. He is a just judge. And I'm only scratching the surface of his wonderful attributes. We surely don't know everything about God, but we do know that he is holy. He's not the same as us human beings. He has commanded us to obey his rules, his commandments, to resist the lies, the fear, the lust and the evil of this world, and it's so prevalent. And he wants us to live this holy life, separate life, set apart from the world. Jesus became a man and lived a holy life. Because of his holiness, he was rejected by most people in his day, and today he is still rejected by most people. So with this in mind, can we expect anything different? As we obey God, and his ways, we set ourselves apart. We become holy, separated from the world and all of its evil ways. This doesn't mean that we stop living, and it doesn't mean that we are perfect people, but it means that we are working and and uh, desiring to obey God, desiring to push away the world and walk in the holiness that God gives us the ability to do so. In all of our daily life activities, we walk in a manner that's honoring to God. Now, as we walk in this manner, there is going to be a clash, a clash in our heart, maybe a clash between us and other people, but there is going to be a clash. There's going to be some uh, pushing and pulling good against evil. Listen to what Jesus said in uh, John sixteen thirty three: I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There are tons of examples in the Bible of people who were being obedient to the Lord in hard times, in tough times, in impossible times, but they continued to walk in the holiness that God had asked them to walk in, even in suffering. But, you know, I find also that oftentimes a reward follows that obedience. Let's talk about just a few. We'll start in the Old Testament, Joseph. Joseph was a shadow and a type of Christ. If you look at his life, you'll see so many attributes and characteristics and things that happened to him that happened to Jesus. A little bit different, obviously, but the same type of stuff. Joseph was born to a woman his father loved. His father had many wives, and therefore his father favored him and his younger brother. God was with Joseph also. Early in his life, God showed him through supernatural dreams that one day he would become the ruler over his family. The favor with his earthly father and the favor with his heavenly father caused his brothers to be jealous of him, and they became upset and more jealous, so much so that when they got the chance, they mistreated him and sold him into slavery into a foreign country. 
They did try to kill him. But one of the brothers said, nah, let's don't kill him. I don't want blood on my hands. God remained with Joseph in these tough times, in the times of confusion and misunderstanding. Through hard and honest work, Joseph was promoted even as a slave. But the devil was after his holiness, and he was falsely accused of attempted rape. He ended up in jail, and because of his work ethic there in jail and his favor with God, he began to be promoted even in jail. And through a series of supernatural dreams and interpreting those dreams, he was promoted to the second highest position in Egypt. The message here is simple. Obey God's commands through trial and distress, frustration, confusion, and reward will come. Let's look at another Old Testament example. In the first few chapters of 1 Samuel, we are introduced to Hannah. She and Peninnah, another woman, were married to one man, Elkanah. Peninnah had children, quite a few of them, and Hannah had none. In those days, it was very important, I believe it is today also, that women, uh, married folks, have children. It's very important to God. If you look uh, in Genesis, God tells us to be fruitful and to multiply. Peninnah was uh, proud of all of her children. She provoked Hannah year after year by bragging and telling of her superiority and brought Hannah to tears time and time again. Elkanah loved Hannah, but he it wasn't enough for Hannah. She desired to fulfill one of the purposes of her life, to bear children. One year, she poured out her heart to God, and God answered her with a son, a son who would come become one of the greatest prophets of all time. And later, she had five more children. Through suffering, faithful prayer, perseverance, she not only had six children, but she was the mother of one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, Samuel. It's such an interesting story to go and read that. Uh, To me, it moves my heart because Samuel was such a man of God. Another biblical character, Ruth, was from Moab. She married a Jewish man who was temporarily living in Moab due to a famine in Israel. The young man tragically died early, as did his father and brother. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, was now destitute, no sons and no husband. So she decided to go back to Israel. Ruth could have easily stayed in Moab Moab, and started a new life. She could have had a family. Uh, she, She still had her youth. But instead, she chose to be penniless with Naomi and go back to Israel, accepting Israel as her new home and Yahweh as her God. In those days, women without a father or husband were impoverished and were of the lowest of society. But Ruth worked hard in the fields, picking up small amounts of grain left behind by the reapers. By God's provision, she fell under the protection of one of Naomi's relatives. Ruth had her youth and could have found a young husband, but her focus was to take care of her mother-in-law, and her selfless character was soon known in the town. She clung to Naomi's counsel 
and soon found herself the wife of a wealthy landowner. One of her descendants became king of Israel, King David. So again, what do we see here? Through suffering, selflessness, she found riches and became a big part of God's plan. Speaking of David, think about the suffering that David went through. He was very obedient to King Saul. He did what was right. He won many battles. He was famous in Israel. But Saul was trying to kill him because of jealousy. Year after year, Saul chased him. Saul actually threw spears at him several times, trying to kill him right there in his own house or or castle. So many people in the Old Testament we see have these experiences of trial and trouble, frustration, but they continue to walk in this holiness, this separate life, doing what God tells them to to do, no matter what the circumstances are. Now let's go to the New Testament. Jesus speaks of Paul in Acts 9.16. Listen to what he says. Jesus says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Paul, the greatest apostle, suffered. Listen closely to 2 Corinthians 6, 4, and 5. Paul is speaking. Rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and in hunger. And it goes on and on. This is what Paul saw as the way of Christianity, was there was suffering. But think about Paul's life. With all this in mind, remember that God was able to trust Paul. Paul obeyed the Holy Spirit, and he spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the known world at that time. Can you imagine the reward to know that you are doing exactly what God wants you to do, and God is moving greatly? Acts 19.11 God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were given to the sick, and their sicknesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Paul obeyed his heavenly calling in good and very tough times. He worked with Jesus to spread the gospel that has become known all over the world. Even to this day, we read of what God used Paul to do and what God asked Paul to write down for us, the Bible, a big part of the New Testament. But it wasn't a rose garden from him. I'll read another verse uh, or a couple of verses here, Second Corinthians eleven twenty three through 27. Again, Paul is speaking about his suffering. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, 
in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and without clothing. Paul's reward was great in heaven, I'm sure, but even on the earth to know that he had fulfilled what God had called him to. He was a holy servant of Christ. Jesus is obviously our greatest example. Jesus, though he is God Almighty, in Philippians 2, 6, and 8, listen to what the scripture says about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is amazing. What God has done for us, he's given us an example to live out. Through Christ's sufferings, he was obedient. His humility was obvious. Because of this feat of death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the Father, he accomplished all that was given to him, and he was given all the authority in heaven and on earth. The name of Jesus is above every name, above every sickness, above every evil spirit, and he is seated at the right hand of God. Why is all of this so important? Well, there is a reward for obedience. Maybe we won't be exalted in this life and take a high position like Joseph did, but The bottom line is there is a lasting reward now for us, and that reward is peace. Through trouble and um, temptation, we are bound for eternal life in the very presence of God. There's so much to say about heaven, so I don't want to go into it right now. But heaven is a wonderful place where life is eternal where there is no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. We will be in the very presence of God. The river of life will be the main river in in heaven, and there'll be trees of life along that river of life, and we will live forever in a place that we know as paradise. Romans 6, 21. What benefit did you reap at that time, from the things that you are now ashamed of. Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. I want to encourage you to be obedient to the Lord, to walk in His ways, live that separate life, even in these tough times, And the reward of God, first of all, peace. Secondly, the presence of God in your life. The voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And then, of course, eternal life. This has been the Clean Soul Podcast with Dennis Curtis. 
If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me at thecleansoul.org.